I look at success now in a more holistic manner. I chased the salary and I chased the title and I wasn't very happy. I chased it as an entrepreneur. I chased it as part of a company and a partner and growing through exit. And success didn't look or feel like I thought it would in that manner. If anything, it was quite humbling, quite painful, you know, at times. Do you struggle to show up vulnerable and authentic for your team? Are you constantly trying to balance who you are and who you want them to think you are? Then you're going to love this conversation with Greg Scheinman. Hello, friends. My name is Chad, and this is the Naked Leadership Podcast, high-stakes conversations for relentless company founders. My co-hosts and I have over six decades of combined experience in leadership coaching. In this podcast, we explore it all. There's no conversation too risky. In this episode, we sit down with Greg Scheinman, host of Midlife Male Podcast and the author of the book by the same title. If you're not a man, stay tuned because the principles are solid for every company founder listening. And I loved his take on the self-made fallacy as he tells us his experience about when his father passed away. So let's dive in. Gentlemen, so good to be with all of you. Dan, Adrian, how are you? Oh, great. Thank you. Awesome. Greg, it's so good to have you as a guest on the podcast to be able to dive into the conversation. We're grateful for your presence and your time. Can't wait to hear from you. So I I just want to start right at the top, give people an introduction to who you are. Yeah, I appreciate you asking the question. Thank you, Chad. And and Adrian and Dan, it's great to be here. Appreciate you guys. You guys having me. This is a, I'm seeing three three big, successful, awesome faces on my screen. And I'm going, okay, let's, let's see how we measure up, you know? So there's your, there's your first midlife male insight into insecurity. Um, (laughs) Vulnerable. We can go all the way down the imposter syndrome. Well, I'm like, wait a minute. Okay. Like here we, Hey Greg, don't expose me. Don't expose me on this. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) That's what I'm hoping you don't do do for me, but I, I appreciate that. Um, I'm just a guy who's about to be turning 50, you know, in in December, who is trying as best I can to live authentically and live my message and maximize middle age. And what that really means is try to redefine and reframe the conversation on midlife not being perceived as, as a crisis, but what can really be this opportunity to make the next phase of life our our best phase. Um, married over 20 years. Um, ironically, if you asked me to say whether it was 24 or 20, I don't know, like I'd probably get that wrong in Kate's downstairs right now. <laughs> We've been together for 25, married for over, over 20. We have two teenage boys. Our oldest just started college and that's a, an interesting transitional middle age period where we moved our oldest son uh, out to Colorado for his freshman year of college. Our younger son is 16. So he's a sophomore in high school. You know, all these things come together. I exited out of a company uh, at the end of 2020. And here we are now in 2022, where I've been working and starting something completely new, you know, again, in my, in my upper, upper forties. Why do you want to coach men in this stage of life? I backed into it. It's a great question. Um, it was not what I set out to do. Um, 
if we go even back further, I'd been an entrepreneur for the majority of, of my career. I'd started various companies in media and in marketing, sports video and production, um, even a rowing studio. And I had some success and I had some failure. And I ultimately ended up shifting from risk taker as an entrepreneur to going into the risk management business of, of all things after I had sold one of my companies. And nobody could really understand why I did that at the time. I couldn't fully understand why I did that at the time, other than that it seemed to check some, some very important boxes and, and felt like a path that men were supposed to be on. Okay, here's a, here's a job in a professional services company, and I get benefits, which I had never had before, you know, at least on my, without my paying for them on my own. And I could earn a living. Um, and I could grow a book of, of business. And I was a product finally that somebody needed. You know, everybody needed it. It was a question of who they were getting it from. It was in the insurance and risk management business. And I went into that industry thinking it was going to be stable in that business. And that I was married and I had two kids and this is what I was supposed to do. And the next thing I knew, I was wearing a suit and I was taking meetings and I was engaged. And again, from the outside looking in, it was great. And my partners were great and my firm was great. And knock on wood, I was smart enough um, to negotiate for, for equity opportunities and, and, uh, and options at the time. And it ended up um, financially being successful, personally being challenging, and professionally um, being both, this makes sense, gratifying and also disappointing in certain ways, mm -hmm. um, wrestling with that dichotomy. But to answer your question about how I got into coaching men, these conversations that I was having with my clients over the years started to transcend business. And they became very personal. These were entrepreneurs. These were CEOs. These were men running companies, mm -hmm. big companies with lots of responsibilities and lots of people under them. And I was finding they didn't have very many people to talk to if they were talking to me. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, and they felt like they were pushing these boulders uphill and they didn't want to uh, burden their wives. And they certainly didn't want to talk to either, you know, most of them only had people at their companies below them, if you will, you know, on there. So they didn't want to be vulnerable or share and everything with them. And I guess for whatever reason, I came across somebody that they could, they could share with. And I started having these deeply personal conversations that ultimately turned into a podcast to have more conversations with men like this. It allowed me to explore and to learn more about myself, what I wanted, what I didn't want, um, what I liked, what I didn't. Shifting an entire book of business at that point, too, about who I wanted to work with. We get the clients we deserve. I, I never realized that before and changed how I approached everything. That podcast led to a newsletter, which led to men reaching out to me and ultimately asking me to coach them. And you're just asking questions. So... I backed in a long-winded answer to your, to your question a bit, Chad, but I backed into it by being asked in a way to do it, or if I would coach people, or if I had a program. And one day I just started saying, yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, when they talk oh. about just starting, yeah, I do. Oh, really? Tell me about your program. Okay. How long you got? Because I'm going to make this up as we're going along right now. <laughs> and it was that kind of ad-libbing conversation. Well, what? would be interesting to you? What would awesome look like if I was to coach you or we were to work together? 
You know, what are your challenges? What are you struggling with? What's going on? What are you not talking about that you want to? And these guys actually helped me build my program. You know, those are the conversations, even conversations like this one were the ones that helped me figure out what men really wanted to talk about, what was really on their minds, what they weren't sharing with other, with other men. And, and that's how I got into it. I love it. You know, you know what I love about that is, is that's the, it became really organic for you because of one principle. Um, there, there might've been many at play, but at least one here is like, Oh, let me just shut up and start listening. You know, and, and, and not that we don't have something important to say, but you know, if you want to make a difference with people, you ought to listen first. And if you listen long enough, you know, the future happens and you were just willing to stand there and absorb and connect and then offer whatever you had to, to solve what or to help them solve the issues they were facing. And then it developed over time, which is, I really dig. I mean, we get people all the time that want to come and become, you know, consultants for our coaching company. And they, they have a lot of things to say and they have very few results to show because they have a lot of things to say instead of like being of service and being willing to have the conversations that have, that are full of tension, that are full of uncomfortability, that are full of, you know, vulnerability, and they're not willing to really be there in the conversation with people. And it, you just hit the X factor there. It's like you were there in the most crucial conversations with them and your presence was so palpable to them, obviously based on results that people wanted to talk about with you, the things they weren't willing to talk about with other people. And out of that, you generated a business, not based on your expertise. While you had plenty of it, you weren't banking on that. You were banking on your connection to people and your ability to be with them in their concerns in such a way that the future happened that they wanted. And anyway, it's just really compelling. Well, thank you. It's, it's, it's a great point. Um, and, and what I appreciate you also acknowledging, and I think it's important for everyone out there, uh, is the aspect of listening. You know, yeah. I spent 30 years not listening. And because <laughs> of that, making a lot of mistakes and a lot mm -hmm. of missteps, yeah. thinking I knew it all. You know, or thinking again as an entrepreneur, you know, as the guy, quote unquote, intro, that I was the one that had to be doing all the talking, that had the answers, right. that had to figure it out and had to be. And, and I could not have been more wrong. So call me a slow learner and a late bloomer. But one of the reasons I even started the podcast uh, initially was to become a better learner to force yeah. myself to stop talking yeah. and start listening. It's actually harder for me to be a guest, gentlemen. <laughs> so please jump in anytime <laughs> than it is to actually host because one of the things I love about hosting is developing that muscle of becoming a better listener. Well, I mean, one of the things that you stand for, which I really appreciate, and you've got a whole cadre of, of, of ways to engage people in this conversation and midlife male. One of the things I find really fascinating is it's a cultural conversation more than ever. And I, I don't think it's going to become less important over time. Um, and we speak right to it. There's a myth out there around, we all ought to be having a well-balanced life or life would be better if it were balanced. And which is, uh, it's obviously impossible. If, if, if it's not impossible, it's just, it is, it is paralytic. Is that a word? Meaning that it, let's say we, let's say at, you know, we're recording this on Tuesday at 11, 17 AM. 
if I got it all balanced at 1117, the only next thing to do is to tell everybody in my life to, to don't, don't move. I've got it perfect. <laughs> don't move. Don't mess it up. You know, so it's a fantasy in that way. It's, and it's actually, it's, it's actually imprisoning it's that type of fantasy. Um, so instead, what do we do? So our conversation with lots of our leaders is around uh, a much more complex an honest conversation, which is how do I integrate my life? How do I make them? How do I generate the types of connections between all these parts? And I like to naturally, if I want to like be a high execution guy, let's take the big issue of life and chop it up into pieces and just focus on this piece and just focus on this piece and just, 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 instead of both and my way through life. And how do these two things interconnect and how do, if I'm focused over here, which might be needed, then what do I need to do to make sure this other part of my life doesn't? And how do I you know, integrate these things and actually feel the weight of integration? And you do that. And I think a really poetic way, I'd love to, to connecting to our folks that are listening now that are founders out there that are running businesses that are growing businesses that are growing teams. And they're feeling the strain now of the focus that their job requires from them and the pressure they feel to keep up the other aspects of their lives. I'd love to hear how you talk about that. Cause I think it integrate and really uh, serve a lot of people. Mm, it, it, it's a great question and it's such a deep topic that we could you know, we could stay on for for such a long time and i think it also is it's it's certainly attached to exactly even what the title of the show is you know naked leadership i think that's so important can you get naked can you get raw can you get real as a leader and let people see you for who you truly are you know i said for a while in that I fell into this, this situation where, you know, chasing authenticity where authenticity doesn't exist is exhausting. Mm -hmm. And I think that hurts a lot of men. I think that affects and applies to, to a lot of men. Um, but when we really can operate as our authentic self, I think that's empowering to to men. I think it's empowering to anybody. I'm not just speaking to men here. I tend to stay narrow and deep with midwife males just because that's who I am, you know, and the space, you know, that I'm in because I can, I can speak to that. But as somebody who also, I don't think I did a very good job for a very long time as a leader. And it was because I was playing the role of a leader as opposed to acting, you know, not acting or just being myself. And again, asking more questions, doing, doing more listening, instead of thinking that I had to either be the boss or I had to manage or we had to hit all of these things. Mm. And Weird. I think success looks different to everyone. You know, and that's something to, to your point. I think we come up thinking that success is this metric of salary and title in a way for male. What's our value? Mm -hmm. And we have this professionally. And then we go home. Okay. And our personal is separate from it. Because we've kept this kind of wall up there that we're one thing professionally and striving, and we're supposed to be another thing at home. And a lot of times they're at odds because we're over-indexing, you know, somewhere as well. And your point. Whereas I look at success now in a more holistic manner. You know? I chased the salary and I chased the title and I wasn't very happy. You know? I chased it as an entrepreneur. 
I chased it as part of a company and a partner and growing through exit. And success didn't look or feel like I thought it would in that manner. If anything, it was quite humbling, quite painful, you know, at times. And when I started to redefine what success really looked like for me and what became ultimately my, my six F's of family and fitness and finance and food and fashion and, and fun, like what makes up the holistic pie chart of, you talk about balance, what does a balanced life portfolio really look like? You know, we talked about this once before, Adrian, too. Like, I was able to aggregate and curate, eliminate what mattered most, curate it down to the best things that worked for me and eliminate everything else. And finally, started getting control of my calendar hmm? and stop beating the, God, I don't know if I can curse here, stop beating the crap out of myself you know? <laughs> every day for, for feeling like, like a failure you know, in one or more places and that every success was offset by, by something where I didn't feel successful. The only constant in an organization like yours is change. I want to take just a second to tell you about The Change Imperative, an ebook written by our very own Dan Takini. Let me ask you, how do you personally relate to change in your business? Does it feel like a threat at times? Does it ever feel like you can't keep up with it or it never happens fast enough? Are there certain players on your team that resist change and keep your company stuck? Growth, change, and transition These intersections often come with confusion, frustration, and resistance. You can flip those experiences into clarity, confidence, and alignment with the Change Imperative eBook. The Change Imperative is instructions for innovating with your team. Go ahead and click on the link in the show notes to get your free copy of the Change Imperative now and feel confident about creating the change in your company necessary to take it to the next level. You know, what you're aiming at is going to determine what you become. You know, what you aim at, you end up becoming. And the whole idea of authenticity hit home for me because authenticity, I think the most authentic we can get is to be authentic about our inauthenticity. And there's a certain inauthenticity about being a male, at least today. And it's come through the ages, which is, it's a lie. And and that is that, you know, I think a lot of men... I think just as a culture, men have this idea that they're supposed to be self-made as if that's possible, as if my successes are what I made without acknowledging that I stand on the shoulders of many men and women prior to me. Like, you know, I turn that switch on and the light comes on and I walk into a house that somebody built and, you know, the electricity, comes. all the things that we that enable us to do the things that we do came from others. And the idea that I have to be a self-made man generates contextually a a lot of um, unnecessary suffering. Like, I then can't open up, I silo because I don't want you to see what I struggle with when, you know, letting you and Adrian and Chad see what I struggle with opens up three new eyes into what I'm doing, and that's more possibility than I could ever muster alone. Uh, And three different backgrounds of experience that I can draw on and that I can invite into the resolution of whatever I'm up to. So, you know, what you say really struck home for me, Mm because I'm just thinking about some of the things that keep make me alone when I'm with people. Mm. I'm struggling with my own issues. 
that's such a big statement about being alone when you're with people, you know, too, yeah. and the nature of, of relationships and what we see, what we allow people to see and what we feel, you know, there to, to your point, you know, Dan, look, I mean, what are we taught you know, growing up for a while too? Or what have we heard many times, you know, fake it till you make it. Awesome. Yeah. No, no, that's absolutely wrong. I, mean, um, I think that's how that's how I fell so far so fast, quite frankly, um, or actually fell so far so slowly. It would have been better had I fallen fast, you know, by adopting it, you know, or, or falling victim to the fake it till you make it as opposed to who am I really? Well, I mean, so that I don't have to fake it again. And yet, and guess what? Well, I can still make it. Yeah, the, the idea that somehow your failure makes you vulnerable, and, and in a way it does, sure, to your own ego, but it opens up the possibility for what's wanted and needed. And that could be sitting in the guy next, right next to you that you're trying to preserve your image with. Mm-hmm. And, now, and doing so, the possibility of his, of his contribution looks like a threat rather than a welcomed possibility. Know, a welcomed resource into what I care very much about. And again, guilty to all of it. No, yeah, I mean, yeah. there too. Yeah. Um, yeah, too. You know, and you talk mm-hmm. about self-made, um, which I think is another, you know, great point. We're all mm, victims in a way, or or we're 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 comprised of whatever our situations and circumstances and experiences are. You know, when my father passed away at 47 and I was 17, okay, yeah. at that point. I thought, well, I guess I'm going to have to be a self-made man. I don't have my father. I don't have my mentor. Okay. Then who do I then go to? Don't know. I guess it's got to be me. So I guess I got to be a self-made guy. A lot of ego comes into that. A lot of insecurity comes into that. You know, who else do I trust? Can anyone fill these shoes or this void? I don't know. You kind of put up, you know, all of that. Took a while to get through through a lot of that too, and realize that just because again, I don't have a a father or father figure around does not mean I can't have mentors. I can't have friends. I can't be open. Greg, you mentioned in your introduction, you mentioned, you know, you kind of backed into this because you were consulting with a lot of leaders. Um, And I'm curious is in that process of learning and listening, I loved as you talked about, I love that you referred to listening as a muscle. I think that's really beautiful. I'm I'm curious in that phase, and you and you're probably still learning so much about this conversation. As you talked with so many leaders, what what did you find are some of the most common things they're unwilling to talk about that's going on for everybody, or maybe everybody, most people, and they're unwilling to reveal, have conversations, be vulnerable about it. It's a great question. Actually, I would say it the, the one constant that I have found or most consistent attribute of great leaders that I have spoken to is that nothing has been off limits. I mean, that was the most eye-opening thing or ear-opening thing to me was that great leaders have this confidence that has somehow developed or security that they are willing to share their experiences. I have rarely in 200 episodes now said to somebody, and I do always ask this question, what would you like to talk about? What do you want to make sure I hit on and, and, and speak to? And what is it you want me to stay away from? What is it you don't want to talk about? I can't tell you, I think, a single time where somebody, has, a great leader or anybody has even come on and said, don't ask me about this. 
Mm-hmm. Don't bring this up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, I don't think it's happened. If anything, they are more willing to share their experiences and their failures and their mistakes and their missteps and wear it and own it then they actually yep. have a desire to talk about their successes because the successes are obvious. The successes are what we see so often. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. We see the overnight success, the 10 year success, the 20, when I, whenever we jump into their story, we're seeing the successful part, you know, typically. Yeah. Right on. What right we're on. not really seeing is, you know, what's going on behind the scenes. What are the reps and the work that you're putting in when nobody's watching, you know? The, the sleepless nights, the financial strife, the relationship angst and so, you know, that's the really interesting stuff that quite frankly, they're more willing to, to talk about uh, because they're proud of what they have gone through and what they have persevered through, that grit aspect of it, that perseverance, you know, that mindset, you know, and you have in the background, I give it out that, hey, they, they, genuinely give a damn about something, you know, and, yeah, you know, what, and it's passing that knowledge on to, to others. Well, you, you know, my grandfather told me when I was a young kid, he said, you know, you can't fail if you're not committed to something. Mm-hmm. If you get committed to something, you're going to fail. And he used to say, your successes are for others to talk about and your failures are there for you to talk about. You know, it's like... <laughs> I was like, I had to sit with that for days afterwards. Wow, that doesn't seem like that's not how I. It's so good. You know, I kind of play this like better one or better two game. You ever go to like the eye doctor, you know, and they put that thing in front of your face and they flip the lenses around and they can go on better one or better two until, you know, ultimately the goal is is to nail the prescription, you know, and and get it right. Well, I started playing that game with myself like, pretty much in every area of my life for a while. Cause there was a period where I didn't think any of the decisions I were making were very good ones. So I was like, what if I did the opposite? You know, if I go better one or better two, well, normally I would choose one. So I'm going to go with two, you know, right now and kept playing that game with myself and things started getting better. You know, if I was crafting an email or so or out there and I would always, to your point, like, here I go. Let me whip it out and show you how great I am here. All my credentials. Here's all the great stuff I did, you know, in there. And they weren't landing well at all versus option two. Or it was, Hey, like asking again for help. I don't have to show you how great or how wonderful or anything. I You might figure out who I am if you are, but can I say something wonderful about you or something that interests, you know, what I'm interested in you about it. Here's what, you know, you start trying different approaches. Again, you realize how much more you get by giving generously, you know, by speaking again to others rather than speaking about yourself. Everything about you is going to get out. It's going to come across. It's going to be, again, as long as you're authentic, you know, and, and real, versus, hey, let me just tell you how great I am and, and how it must be wonderful that you got an email or a phone call from me today, you know, or that I want, it, that's, it, it doesn't work like that. Greg, this has been amazing, man. Thank you so much for your time. I'm so grateful to be connected to you. Grateful to have this addition to our conversation on our podcast. Tell me, um, or tell us, if you don't mind about the book, just a little bit about it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for asking. It's ready. We just got them. So I'll send them out to all of you guys. I don't know, Adrian, oh. if you got yours yet. Um, but 
It's the Midlife Mail, um, a no bullshit guide to living better, longer, happier, healthier, and wealthier, and having more fun in your 40s and 50s. I couldn't come up with a longer title. Mm-hmm. We tried. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we ran out of room on the on the cover. <laughs> yeah, we figured if I can get somebody to say the entire title on any given show or anywhere, then man, they must be into it. So, um, so yeah, so that's that's it. Really, it's a it's a book about hopefully making the most of middle age, and and I think what's what's cool about it is you're not really just going to hear from me. Um, but the book is based around the stories that men have told on the podcast over the last couple of years. Mm. And some of the amazing journeys that many of my guests have been on that helped me to both, you know, shape my program, shape my work live my life differently. Um, and that I think have been super, super impactful, you know, in that six F's of family and fitness and finance and food and, fashion and fun. So you should be able to open any page of this book, any chapter at any time and go right from there mm-hmm. That's great. and pick it up over and over again. Um, you know, if you need a really cool tip from, from somebody really awesome. And then, you know, my little spin on, on what I got out of it. So thank you for asking. It'll be out uh, November 1st and pre-sales are, are up right now on Amazon and I think that's pretty much where people get books now, right? So go to Amazon and you can <laughs> pre-order it right there. I'll link it in the show notes so it's easy and accessible for people. Thank you. Thank you so much, Greg. We really, really appreciate it, man. Yeah. Yeah. Good, Chad, good Dan, day on, brother. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh, great time. Thank you. All right. Bye bye, everybody. Awesome. Ciao. Well, my friends, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Naked Leadership Podcast. As a heads up, every Friday we post a Cliff Notes version of that week's conversation with all the highlights in under five minutes. Check that out for a quick and powerful reminder of the principles discussed. I hope this conversation has been valuable to you. If it has, the greatest compliment you could pay us is sharing it with somebody who could use it. Thanks so much for listening and until next week, bye-bye everybody. Bye-bye everybody.